The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. Doesn't that song just make you want to run through a brick wall? Because it does to me. So uh, I calm myself down a little bit up here this morning. Um, it is good to see you and to be with you. As I was thinking about our topic today out of Psalm 46, we're going to be talking about how God is our strength. Uh, my strength. And I, I started to think back to um, a trip we took at the beginning of the summer. My wife and I, Amanda, we got a chance to go to Hawaii for our 15th wedding anniversary, which actually is until December, but uh, we celebrated it early. And uh, we went to Hawaii. She had been there in high school. I'd never been to Hawaii. And uh, many of you had told me, well, it's just beautiful. Like, it's amazing. And uh, I knew that you had said that, and I've been to beautiful places before, but Every time we pulled out of the hotel, I'm like, would you just look at that? It's unbelievable, right? And um, she's like, honey, we look at the same thing every time we pull out. I'm like, I know, but it's beautiful. And uh, we got to spend 10 days exploring uh, the islands every day. Good news is we're still married. She still loves me. Uh, after spending 10 days with me, freaking out about how beautiful Hawaii is. Uh, we would go and explore, we'd find a beach, and we'd basically just hang out and stay there all day. And so one of the beaches we found was on the northern uh, uh, part of the island of Kauai. Uh, it was called Tunnels Beach, and right across from Tunnels Beach is this, this landmark uh, that is just captures your eye as you drive by it. It's this massive gaping hole in the side of a mountain, right? And it is not just wide, but it's also extremely deep. Here's Amanda and I, uh, really small. I got permission to put that picture up there. Uh, don't worry, ladies. Um, and of us standing in front of it. And then I'm like, you know, this is awesome. There's people back in it. And I told Amanda, I was like, let's, let's go. Let's walk back there. Let's walk into this thing. And so we did. I went ahead and took a video that you can watch as I continue to talk about it. Uh, but we started to walk in. And on the outside, I'm, I'm just amazed at the strength of the mountain. I mean, this mountain has this huge hole in it, and yet this mountain can sustain having that hole in it without, you know, toppling or, or having an issue. And so we started walking through uh, this massive opening. You can see the other people that are way back there. And as we started to walk back, something strange happened to me. I started to feel more anxiety the further back we got, right? Because I'm walking back there and thinking, at any point, the earth could shift and this mountain could decide today's the day it's not going to be strong and splats, right? Like, I, I, we would be gone in a second. In fact, we got to the back and I turn around here in a second and look back to the front. And at that point, I wanted to just turn the video off and run because I'm like, what if this thing collapses? I don't stand a chance, right? So, so here I am. At all at the strength of this mountain, but also completely filled and consumed with anxiety because something strange could happen in this moment and this could give way and I could be crushed. It was this interesting like juxtaposition of emotions, like this opposite, like what, how did I, I thought this was awesome and then I got in here and it wasn't so awesome. And I started to think about like, how does that affect us in our, in our world when we think about strength? The things we view as strength, I started to think about the fact that one day we had um, two massive twin towers that just by their sheer look could tell you that we are this social, you know, we have this huge powerhouse of an economy in the United States. 
And the next day, there are two piles of rubble. And I started to think about places we've gone on mission trips, where, where one day there's this bustling town that has all this uh, you know, character and all these people that live there. And, and it's beautiful because they live right on the coast and it's this mix of land and sea. Uh, and the next day, uh, it's absolutely demolished and, and under feet and feet of water. And I think about two countries that exist next to each other. And although uh, they are, have had a history of turmoil, lived in peace for so long, and then and the next day, there's invasion and bombing and displacement of thousands upon thousands of people. These, these things that we, we see and we look around our world, and we think those are strong, that's strength. And then they topple right underneath us. So the question I kind of was left is, where do we find true strength? Where do we find strength without the anxiety of that strength failing? Where can we find strength without the anxiety of that strength ultimately failing us? Our answer is found in Psalm 46. And so if you have your journals with you, open them with me uh, to that page, which is 156. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Our answer this morning, as we know, probably already, is God. And the answer is God. God is the one who is strength, and ultimately we don't have to have anxiety because he won't fail us. In fact, we're told that in Psalm 46. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read this to us, and then we're going to walk through it. It says this. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Almoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her, in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the work of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I find the answer to our question this morning in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. It is God who is our strength. And there need not be any anxiety in that because he does not change. He's the exact same yesterday, today, and forever. And so for you and I, where our strength is and should be found is in God himself. And he says right there, when we face very present trouble, I don't know about you, but like I walked in here this morning and I was thinking about this. I was actually praying about this as we were singing that song. But I don't know what trouble you walked in here with, but I'm sure there's something that you're facing right now that you would categorize as trouble. 
In fact, I'm pretty sure that if we're going to be honest, every single one of us, every time we walk in here, there's probably something we would categorize as trouble. Whether that's consistent or whether that's inconsistent in your life, it's always, almost always present. And yeah, where do we find the strength when we face those things? Well, right here we're told in Psalm 46 that we find that strength in God. That's why we titled this, It's Personal. It's personal because for you and I, we're called to be in relationship with this God who wants to be in relationship with us, who is here, who is with us and has a desire to provide that strength to us. And kind of trouble does the psalmist offer? He moves on and he says this, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved into the center, excuse me, in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Uh, he goes straight to, I think, the, the thing that we maybe look at as the, the strongest, maybe consciously or subconsciously, you and I think that the earth is strong. Right? I didn't see any of you walk into the worship center like, okay, okay. you know, like, you just walk around on it. Why? Because you, you expect it to be there. Right, I was thinking about this Friday night. I went to the Noblesville football game in the new stadium, which is beautiful. They got some work to do on the bleachers, okay? I was right next to the student section, okay? And as I'm watching, like 250 high schoolers on one row bounce on the bleacher, I'm like, they think that they're trusting. They are trusting. I am not because I'm watching it separate from the bleachers, right? (laughs) And eventually they came down to make them all move back and put caution tape up. But I mean, they, they just assumed, like, there's all of us doing this is not going to do anything bad, you know? Like, <laughs> no, stop. Like, you're going to bring the whole place down, you know? There's this, this just innate trust in us that we think the earth is just going to be here. And yet the truth is, is that it could open up and swallow us a whole, right? It, it could cease from existing. And in fact, that's where the psalmist takes us is what if the earth gives way? Well, you and I don't have to fear because God is our strength and God is the one who is in control, both of our lives, but also of this earth. I started to think about how we just don't grasp that. I don't grasp that. I've never been in an earthquake before. But I have seen the effects of an earthquake. It was 2015 was the first time I went to Haiti on a mission trip. And uh, I remember as we were traveling around and, and we'd spent a couple days there, I asked our translator um, why there were people, so many people sleeping on the street. And she said, oh, it's because a lot of us don't feel safe sleeping in our homes because they're concrete and we're not sure if there'll be another earthquake. This is five years after the 7.3 magnitude earthquake hit. There's people still hesitant, even her, who lost almost, the, almost all of her family in that earthquake. When we would walk into the building, she would hesitate for a second. And then she'd step in with us. Because Haitians, they experience a lot more anxiety than my picture in the back of that little cave in Hawaii because of what they've experienced. They know that the earth will give way and they live with that reality every single day. 
And he says this, the psalmist calls on the earth because that is the thing that maybe we think is the most solid and most strength we can envision. And yet God says that all these things could take place and yet we don't need to fear because God is our strength. And then if you notice, and I read them, it says Selah. This is just as much scripture as the, the intro, which is to the choir master of the songs of Korah. Selah is uh, a term used for a break, a pause, a breath in the song. It's meant for you to stop reading and reflect on what you just read so that you'd be ready to read on. And so I, I read them and tried to give you a little bit of a pause, but we have to take that into consideration before we move on. And so it's against that picture that he just gave us, that the earth could give way, that mountains could be thrown in the sea, that he gives you an, another picture. And this is the picture of our God. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So he gives this picture of the earth giving way and the mountains being thrown in the ocean. And then he says, here's this river that gives life to the city. This stream, not a raging ocean, not a, a roaring uh, waters. It's this stream and this holy habitation of the most high. And unlike the mountain that gets thrown into the sea, God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Verse six says, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, but he utters his voice and the earth melts. You see, these are two different pictures he's giving us because he wants us to understand that our strength comes from our God who is immovable, who is the exact same for you and I every single day in a world where everything we, almost everything we experience changes. He does not. And then he gets to what I think is the heart of the psalm, verse 7. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Did you hear that? The Lord of hosts, the one who sits in that holy habitation that does not move, is with you and I. He's with us. You have access to that strength every single day. Whether you access it or not. Then he says, the the God of Jacob, you know, and I'm kind of a Bible nerd. So when I read scripture, I'm just like, huh, what's that mean? You know, like, why did you say Jacob? Because in my mind, I go to Old Testament should be the, the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why'd you just pick one? So I started to read. I started to figure out why is it that we just picked one of those, the God of Jacob. In my mind, it's probably the least of the three to pick when you're talking about us because he just wasn't necessarily the best. Here's his story. If you forgot his story, right? Jacob and Esau, their mother was promised before they were born that opposed to the culture and the norms and the way things worked, your oldest son is going to serve your youngest. You see, at that time, the oldest son would be the one who the rest of the sons served. He would be the heir. He'd be the one that carried on the family name. But God says, no, 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 your youngest is going to be the one who leads and your oldest will serve him. And so God has already promised it even before Jacob's born. And then the birth happens. And what do we read in, in scripture that the, happens during the birth? Esau is brought from the womb. And who's holding on to Esau's heel? Jacob. Why? 
Because Jacob, from birth, decides he's going to do this thing in his own strength. Right? I'm going to do this thing in my own strength. We see, fast forward a little bit. Uh, I don't know how old they are, but like, I really relate to this because I have an older brother and like, I just envision our, our relationship, which it's good now, but when we were kids, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, he, I'm fast, okay? And he's big. So as long as I jabbed and ran, I was good, all right? Like, that's why I'm fast. If he got a, his claw on me, <laughs> I've done those, okay? Jacob and Esau, like Esau's out in, in, in the wilderness. He's been hunting. He comes in and he's just so overwhelmed with hunger. And here is Jacob who has just prepared a fresh pot of soup. And I'm imagining it as if you've seen this in your kids. If you've got kids, I'm eating it in front of you because you don't have it, sibling, right? Like, and all of a sudden, what's, what happens? Esau's like, give it to me. I'm hungry. I need something to eat. This is my version. And Jacob's like, well, what are you going to give me? You know, like, just give me a bowl. I, I need your birthright. Fine, take it. I'm just hungry. And so he just sees him out of his birthright. By the way, Jacob's name means schemer. Living up to it, right? You see, later in life, what happens is what? They're, they're on the, their father gets on his deathbed and is going to pass. And he says, Esau, go out and, and prepare a meal and bring it to me. And I'm going to bless you with my blessing upon my deathbed. And so he goes out to hunt. And what's Jacob do? I heard that. So with his mom, who was told the promise, decides we're going to do something about this and take it into our own hands and use our own strength to get you the blessing. So they deceive his father and her husband. They dress Jacob up. They make him smell like Esau. She prepares a meal. He brings it in. And the father who's pretty much blind, goes ahead and blesses Jacob. Over and over we see this. The end of the story is the most frustrating to me as a dad and as a, as a husband. He goes to meet Esau and he's worried about all these situations after they've been apart for some time. Um, and the last time he saw him, I, I stole the blessing. He ran after that uh, because that's who Jacob was. And Jacob sends all these gifts and waves to Esau to meet Esau before he goes. And at the very last, he sends his wives and his kids because you know what, if my brother's still angry, he'll kill my wives, my wives and my kids, and then I can run. That makes me angry. Well, that's what he does. And when he meets Esau, he's met with grace or forgiveness. But yet, what do we see in Jacob over and over and over? He's grasping at his strength and not trusting in God's strength. And so when the psalmist says the God of Jacob not the God of Abraham, not the God of Isaac, but the God of Jacob. He's making a point to you and I. Maybe not you, but, but definitely me. This isn't about your strength. It's about my strength. And then he says, the God of Jacob is our fortress. That God, the God who is immovable, the God who can provide strength, the God who knows you and sees you and is with you at all times, he is our fortress, the immovable, the permanent structure in our life, place to return to. And then he continues, and he says this, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. 
He makes war seize to the end of the earth, and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I started to ask myself, if, if that's the strength, if that's the place where we're supposed to find strength, my strength is to be in God, how do I access it? What's it look like on a day-to-day basis? What do I do tomorrow? What do I do today? Here's my suggestion and my statement that it's in first person because this series is personal. My strength is in my stillness. It's the opposite of everything you and I think. My strength is found when I am stillest. I sit before the Lord and I'm still and I think about what he's done for me. I look back on scripture and what it tells me he's done for us as a people over years and years and years. When I put before him the places in which, what am I supposed to do? The psalmist says, come and behold the works of the Lord. How he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars seize to the end of the earth. He breaks bows and shatters spears. He burns the chariots with fire. And then this is God talking directly to you and I. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What's he call us to? Stillness. To sit before our great God who is in control of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Who knows the trouble that you are going through right now and is with you. You have access to that kind of strength. And the question is, are we willing to slow ourselves down enough to be still before the Lord? To recognize that that is there for us. I'm going to be honest, it's not my first inclination in the day. (laughs) If you know me well, you know I don't drink coffee in the morning. I wake up like this. Okay? You can ask my wife, it drives her insane. (laughs) But I started to think about that. I started to think about stories from the Bible, and I love this story. Because I think it gives us a picture of what we don't see and don't understand that is with us. This is out of 2 Kings chapter 6. It's the story of Elisha and his uh, servant. You see that the king of Aram was trying to conquer the Israelites. And every time they would go to intercept them in some place or location, Elisha would be told by God, don't, don't let them go there. And so he would, he would counsel the king of the Israelites and say, don't go there. And so they wouldn't. And eventually the king of Aram's like, we've got a traitor in our, in our midst. Who's telling them where we're going to attack them so that they can be convert us. And he's angry. And finally, they're like not wanting to die. And so like, it's not us. There's this guy they have. His name's Elijah. He's a prophet. And that's who's doing all this. So the king of Aram sends his entire army to surround Elisha. And this is what happens that night. One night, so one night, it's uh, chapter six, verse 14. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots, horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Okay, this is how I envision this, okay? This is the way my brain works. You're gonna, I'm gonna give you a little insight into it and then you're gonna never wanna be there again, okay? Like I imagine he like gets up, the servant, and he's like making coffee for Elisha and, and himself on the Keurig and he grabs his glass and he steps out to get a little fresh air and stretches and he looks around and he's like, 
drops his glass and it shatters like, oh my, hey, 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 you got to wake up. Hey, wake up, Elijah, wake up, wake up. What are we going to do? <laughs> Slide back into the tent, like act like I wasn't there, right? Like, where are we going to go? Elijah says, don't be afraid. Okay. Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Lord, open the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. God's strength. And I wonder if you're like me. Do you need somebody else to be praying that God would open your eyes? When you slow yourself to stillness to be able to see, there's more on our side than theirs. That God knows your trouble. But it's from our stillness that we see how he's provided. It's from our stillness that we can say there's more on our side than theirs. It's from our stillness that we can give our troubles right now and find strength to face them each and every single day. The thing is, we've got to still ourselves long enough to tap into that strength. My strength comes from my stillness, not from my busyness. I attended the Global Leadership Summit a couple weeks ago. And um, when I did, there was a, a presenter that, that kind of introed their, their talk with this idea of the swan effect. I had never heard that before, and, and they went on to describe it as, as you see a swan coming across the pond, it looks so peaceful, right? And as you watch it moving across, it's like it's gliding across the water. That's what it looks like on top. But underneath, what you don't see under the water is this. This fury of movement to keep the swan moving in this peaceful direction. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what the rest of her talk was about. I don't. Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, Lance, when people look at you, do they see the above the water swan or do they see the below the water swan? I knew the answer to that question. That's what they see. Because I think, hey God, I got this today. I'm going to do this in my strength. This conflict I'm about to walk through with these people, I got this. This conversation that this couple needs, I, I got this. Parenting my children, hey, I got, I got this, God. If I don't, I'll let you know. Instead of starting every single one of those and every single day, Stillness to tap into his strength. So this is what I want to ask you to do. In fact, I want to ask you this question first. When was the last time you were still before the Lord? When was the last time you were still before the Lord? My wife, I love her to death. This is how she works when she reads my sermons. That's great, Lance. You're asking us to do that, but you're not like telling us when you did this last like, we don't need to talk about Lance, you know? Like, that was my response. And she said, yes, we do. And this past weekend, we had a candidate for student pastor here. We've gone through about 16 resumes. And 
um, were at the end of those resumes and felt like we had a pretty decent candidate, brought them in, and, and it's not the person. Immediately, my heart starts doing this. I got to get to work. I got to figure this out. And then I sat down to prepare for my sermon. Be still and know that I'm God. Tuesday morning, I was still for the Lord. Hey, this is, this is it. Right now, my heart, we need a student pastor. And I'm just going to be honest, whoever we hire is going to be my son's student pastor. And I've told my wife this, unless Jesus walks in the building and asks for a job, probably not going to be acceptable for me, right? At some point, I've got to still myself to access that strength, to recognize that it's there, to be able to look up to the hillside and see that I'm surrounded. Horses and chariots of fire. And so are you because our God, your strength is with you every single day. And so I want to ask you this week to do this. I want you to start every day in stillness. For me, that's the only time I can have peace and quiet and possibility of stillness is at 530 in the morning before everybody gets rolling. So I'm going to ask you to join me in the morning whenever you get up to just be still to begin the day with. We're going to practice this right now. In fact, I'm going to ask you to sit in stillness for two minutes. I asked the team not to play music in the background, not to use a pad, for the band not to come back out. I just want you to get comfortable, and I want you to be still before the Lord, and I want you to reflect on this question. What trouble are you experiencing right now that you just need God's strength within? What trouble do you need God's strength in right now And so we're going to practice this together. You don't have to worry about keeping track of your watch. I will time two minutes, and I will begin praying at the end of the two minutes, I promise. Okay? I'm going to push you a little bit this morning, so get comfortable right now. We're going to be still together. All right, let's do this.
Father, it's from our stillness that we beg of you to strengthen us. As is repeated twice in this passage, you, O Lord, are the Lord of hosts who is with us. God of Jacob, who is our fortress. I don't know what the troubles are in this room, but I know there are many. I don't know each one individually, but I know you do. I also know that you give us all the strength that we would ever need if we would distill ourselves to be able to listen, pay attention to you. God, would you use us through your strength to bring glory to you Now, as we take this challenge this week to be still each day, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? Would you embolden us knowing that you are our strength? We love you, God. We thank you for this morning. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.